you do not ever want to see accidents like that. Yeah, I think George was pulling to the left into the Alfa Tauri. That's tripped the Alfa Romeo completely over. Luckily, it lost a little bit of speed going round and round and round into the crash. Joe Guan Yu's crash, Carlos Sainz's first maiden victory, Haas double points, all that and much more coming up on this episode of the DRS Zone Podcast. the DRS Zone Podcast. Daily racing stories. Holy mac and cheese balls. From guests who probably know more than you or think they do. Nothing. No, no, Mike. That was so not right. Can you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Listen to stories well-known. Stories well-known. Lesser-known. Lesser-known. And never told. And never told. With another episode of Daily Racing Stories today. Now, here's your host, RJ. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Daily Racing Stories. It's been a minute. So excited to be here with you today after a long-awaited uh, episode here to record. And boy, oh boy... Despite missing the last week's Canadian Grand Prix preview and post-race review, I'd say we got two weekends worth of racing after this uh, most recent British Grand Prix. So without further ado, let's get started and take it from the top here. One of the earliest highlights of this race, one of the crazier crashes we have seen in more recent F1 history, I was getting flashbacks from Roman Grosjean, Man on Fire, um, where the halo literally had saved his life uh, during that race. In this race, we had the same thing on lap one with Zhou Guan Yu's car being flipped, spun upside down, going over the tire barriers and being lodged between the fence and the tire barriers. Live speed, you know, it's crazy to see a, a horrific crash like that on the first lap of a race, especially with a rookie driver here on the grid. You know, watching a fan live here in the States, we didn't get the full-blown, you know, replay for about 15 or 20 minutes, obviously with the driver safety uh, being the primary concern. And thankfully, he was, you know, unscathed in some ways regarding that. We also did have Alex Albon, who was shaken up as a result um, or after effect of that crash as well. And thankfully, after being taken to a local nearby hospital, he was unscathed as well. So, so great to see some highlights out of what would be considered a low light for the weekend. However, we did have Carlos Science get his maiden victory in Formula One, which was absolutely huge with over 149 races in formula one one would think carlos science's 150th might be the lucky one to finally get him a race win and believe it or not it actually was 150 races in formula one carlos science is the race winner at the british grand prix which is crazy because it's that amount of races is second only to Sergio Perez before he got his maiden victory back in Secure in 2020. 
And I don't know about you watching this race, but the parallels between that race um, and this race today to me kind of blew my mind. But we'll come full circle back here in a minute about that. So let's just do a little quick race breakdown there. We had obviously Zhou Guan Yu, um, big crash, another storyline. We have Carlos Sainz's race win. We have Max Verstappen's car being, you know, 100% not drivable. We got some Lewis Hamilton DRS battles with um, Carlos's teammate Charles and the Red Bull of Sergio Perez. This race really had it all. So let's start it from the top here. So, you know, it seems Carlos Sainz's string of bad luck this season uh, has, uh, it's it's finally come to an end, I hope. I mean, we'll see. Um, you know, it pretty much in some ways was a slight miracle, I want to say he won. Um, let's be real. Red Bull made the astute choice of putting Max Verstappen on soft tires at the beginning of this race, which unsurprisingly set him up for a brilliant start um, where he snatched the lead from Carlos on the opening lap. Uh, after shocking crashes in the first lap between, you know, Alex Albon and Zhou Guan Yu were involved with and thankfully un unharmed, um, this leads to a red flag, which drives down Verstappen's progress to a screeching halt. The decision to restart the race in the previous grid order was presumably in some ways music to Carlos Sainz's ears. Don't know what he was listening to, but there's some music being played, I gotta imagine. And the 45-minute wait time restart definitely had, you know, the strategy there to, to hopefully, you know, have him regain his composure, which he did. Well, now having virtually erased his first start, Sainz maintained his lead quite well. Um, even with Max applying, you know, some fierce pressure early on. This lasted until he made a slight mistake in the Beckett's early on in the race, where some oversteer pretty much caused Verstappen to fall back into second place. That would have been his fate until the end of the race had it not been for Red Bull's floor issues, forcing Max to box on lap 12 with damage that he sustained well until the end of the race. We now know that apparently there was debris under the Red Bull car that was causing those issues for Max Verstappen. Well, Verstappen effectively out of the way, um, running more towards the back end of the points for a majority of the race. Uh, the Ferraris, you know, were, were now free to fight in the beginning. Uh, Charles has started the race with some front wing damage after that shunt and was struggling quite a bit with some evident understeer overall. Despite it, he was the faster driver by the time Lewis Hamilton was gaining on the Ferraris and the voice his opinions claiming that science was um, effing up his race, to say the least. Science had pitted for new tires on lap 20, rejoining in third position, followed by Leclerc's pit stop in lap 25. By the following lap, Hamilton was about 18 seconds ahead of the Ferraris. And by lap 31, Science didn't match the team's desired pace and was ordered to move over. And I will say the most surprising thing of going on this during this time, Lewis Hamilton was absolutely handing out uh, fastest lap times. Um, flipping them like Jordan Belford penny stocks, dare I say, but he he was really ripping out of them. And it was, it was really nice to see Mercedes back having some pace there uh, at, you know, the 
home circuit uh, in some ways for Lewis Hamilton. But uh, side note over. But on lap 33, um, Carlos was audibly frustrated as a slow 4.3 second pit stop by Mercedes had meant he was now in second position behind Charles. So Ferrari had ordered science to allow Charles breathing room after the yellow flag caused by Esteban Ocon's retirement in lap 38. So overall, it seemed the team placed their bets on Leclerc. However, in a typical display of perfect mismanagement by the Tifosi and Ferrari, Leclerc did not pit at all during this time with the safety car. And remember, he's on worn hard tires. And instead of doing this, um, put, put Carlos on the softs and... By lap 43, Science was, you know, understandably confident of his pace, stating, you know, I'm going much faster than Charles. Uh, his attack on Leclerc into the Brooklyns was masterful and hopefully proof that he's steadily taming the F-175 that he has repeatedly said to be struggling with. And it's a little, you know, refreshing to see Ferrari. Obviously, you know, the prancing ponies back in the front there, but... Um, Man, what a degradation, unfortunately, by uh, Charles Leclerc at the end with 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 issues with Ferrari. And I know that isn't the main point of the story with Carlos getting his main victory. But um, you look back in the last five races here, and the craziest stat from the weekend that I read was Mercedes in the last five races has 109 points compared to Ferrari's 108, which mm, kind of blows my mind in a lot of ways. But... Uh, Carlos overall, though, was the race winner, which is great to see. Um, with him having won this first uh, race, I'd say that the the monkey is off of his back, uh, to say the least. Um, little colloquial term there, uh, but it, it's exciting to see finally, you know, another race winner in Ferrari. Uh, I do know, obviously, as well, we did have some other breaking stats. And, and going back to my comment earlier with Checo Perez's maiden win. Checo Perez at the end of the first, you know, official lap of this race was in last place. He comes fighting back, charging up to P2 after what was one of the better three lap sequences um, starting around, I believe it was lap 42 or 45 that we've had in F1 this past season. We have, you know, Hamilton. Charles and Perez, you know, dueling it out for about three straight laps. You, you get the mindset you think Hamilton's going to come back and win this thing at some points during the race. Charles obviously is, you know, I can only imagine the frustration probably going through his, uh, um, you know, onboard uh, communication setup there with his earpiece probably just absolutely screaming for the fact that he wasn't able to pit. Sees Checo go past him, sees Hamilton go past him, and in a race win, uh, you know, slide under his feet. The crazier part to me going with it, um, back to, to the stat led before Carlos science was 150 races in F1 before his career first victory. And first on that list was Sergio Perez with 190 races and, and his first race win, uh, again, going back to 2020 when he was with the racing point team. If you're curious who third all time is, 
you're actually looking at a Red Bull driver, uh, Mark Weber, who took 130 races actually to get his first race win. Uh, and, and some other unrelated stats, obviously, going into what was a great weekend racing. Uh, one stat broken this past week was by none other than Fernando Alonso, who with Lando Norris was really battling with Charles towards the end of this race. Fernando Alonso has officially joined the 2000 point club in Formula One, which for reference, there currently are only two other drivers that have done this. Granted, I know there's a change in point systems over the years, but bear with me here. Number two all time is Sebastian Vettel with 3,076 points. And number one all time, Lewis Hamilton, 4,258 and one half points. Going back to some of the races that weren't fully completed where half points were given. In case you're curious, to round out that list, we have Kimi Raikkonen at fourth with 1,873. We have Valtteri Bottas with 1,784 points. Wild stuff, I know. Let's continue on, though. Speaking of which, another race stats that we have going on. Mr. Consistency, George Russell, who has been P5 or better in every race this season, did not finish this race. So his streak essentially has ended in some ways. But I guess if you're technical, maybe it's still alive, um, considering this is a DNF, but I would consider that sneak that streak snapped. We also have another streak for Lewis Hamilton going on right now. At the current moment, we are currently seeing Hamilton's longest winless spell in his career. Previous gaps in his career maximum was a three-way tie for 10 races. These gaps existed between 2008 and 2009, 2012, 2013, 2013 and 2014. Currently, we sit at 11 races, which based on this weekend, I got to imagine Hamilton will definitely be getting that first race win of this season um, very soon. Other thoughts I had on this race going forward. Um, for me, not to go stats aside, the one highlight, um, which was also a low light, was, was the crash on the first race. But it goes back to say that you know, the technology there with creating the halo truly is saving a lot of drivers' lives. When you consider the fact that way back when this was actually pitched, um, back in 2017, 2018 or so, the bigger critique of it all was the fact of driver visibility um, and drivers not being able to see as well with the front part of the halo being in the car. In addition, it was critiqued for the fact of it was taking away from almost the integrity of what was the sport at the time. Well... Integrity or not, thankfully, it saved a driver's life this weekend, and I think we can all galvanize around the fact of uh, this piece of technology on these cars is, is great for the safety of these drivers going forward. So something to highlight, obviously, there. I would also like to spare a thought for Williams as well. Uh, you know, Nicholas the Goat Latifi gets into the third qualifying session for the first time in his career. Ultimately, he finishes P12, so struggling from there, but that is some upside from Williams. The sad part is with the crash, you know, they finally managed to update a large, or, or managed to get a large upgrade package onto one of their cars. Uh, and 
you know, then they get reduced useful runtime thanks to the wet practice sessions. Then wet qualifying laps flip the table for Latifi to get him into Q3 while, you know, previous upgrade packages would have gotten pretty much into Q1. And then one of their cars gets absolutely obliterated turn one of the race. So at this point, I feel bad for Williams in some ways where they really don't know if their upgrade package has worked at all or anything like that. And going forward, a team like this, you can only honestly hope it does does work, uh, given the fact that they've switched places in a lot of ways with lower-hanging uh, teams that have been historically bad on the grid. And one of those teams, the biggest surprise of this weekend in a lot of ways, to me, is Haas. The double points for Haas, the first time in three years since this has happened and on top of it the first points of mick schumacher's career which is absolutely awesome to see great for the sport great for that young driver and hopefully more points to come as well i can only imagine what gunther steiner was saying and it's kind of hard to get the perspective sometimes from a fan point of view uh, regarding what you know our takeaways were from the races who we thought was doing well, who wasn't doing well, storylines, you get the gist. But one guest we've had on here before, Dr. Oms, was in Silverstone this past week. And I did get the chance to have him just record a little 60-second snippet of what his takeaways from this weekend were. So let's hear it. DRS Zone, it is your good friend, Dr. Obbs, just checking in with you after the British Grand Prix, which I went to. It was incredible. It was amazing. I don't know how to describe it. The racing was intense. The atmosphere was incredible. The fan zone stuff they had going on was incredible. I mean, the the whole four days was like a dream. It was It was so great. Highly recommend it. But how about that push by Lewis Hamilton, the racing with Leclerc, with Perez, signs ended up darting off into the distance. But how about Checo? From all the way in last place to second place, driver of the day, Checo Perez, almost Checo! Man, it was such a great race. And I hope that we have another great one in Austria. Thank you, Dr. Obbs, for that uh, breakdown of your weekend there in uh, Silverstone. 60 seconds does not do it justice, but man, I'm sure the weekend obviously flew by for you. Anyone who follows Dr. Obbs on Twitter, actually, he had a very interesting video that he had posted regarding on one of the main straights the effects of the porpoising you could actually see um, in terms of the damage degradation it did onto the track, which was... Uh, a really good perspective. I feel like we don't see obviously enough on TV. And with this race, one thing we didn't see was actually the protest that was going on that wasn't actually uh, aired in any way, which to me is absolutely insane. But there was prior to the race starting uh, some tweets sent out by local law enforcement saying that they had gotten a tip regarding protesting going on for i believe it was a climate action organization and during this race at one point slightly even red flagged uh solely based on the fact that we had protesters going on to the track uh talk about absolutely wild thankfully no one was hurt but one of those stories you know you don't always 
hear about obviously after the fact and something again we didn't see on TV. Speaking of which, I'm actually going to share Dr. Ob's experience this past weekend here at Silverstone with a thread that he had written on Twitter just regarding his first time at the track. His first suggestion and what we should know is British weather is unpredictable, plan for all four seasons. A Yorkshire pudding is not just a dessert, but it's a savory bowl of yum. The Brits apparently also love the song Sweet Caroline. Everyone keeps requesting it. I can tell you for a fact, going to school, college that is, in North Carolina, uh, there is nothing wrong with that song at all. However, British bacon is apparently not as good as American bacon. People love British race car drivers, Lando Norris, George Russell. We did even see Nigel Mansell out there giving uh, Lewis Hamilton the crowd's respect and getting them up off of their feet as well for one of the greatest drivers of all time. Lando Norris apparently is very popular as well. If you are wearing Red Bull racing gear, prepare to feel like Tony Montana and Scarface. You need people like me so you can point your fingers and say, that's the bad guy. <laughs> Love that, Dr. Hobbs. British people know their motor racing likely more than the average American, which isn't surprising. But the popularity in America obviously is growing, and it's something uh, hopefully we can compete with them sooner or later at. Also, going to the race in Silverstone, apparently you can eat fish and chips for breakfast. Any Brits on the show listening care to comment? I would love to know that. It's apparently never too early for a beer. There will never ever be a mobile phone signal, so bring a book to read. Most people at the track don't really like Max Verstappen at all. And I will say one of the highlights... <laughs> Weirdly enough, this weekend, uh, you see Max Verstappen and Checo Perez with these like t-shirt cannon guns, launching them into the stands, and everyone just keeps yelling Lewis's name, which to me I thought was absolutely hilarious. I won't go through all of Dr. Ob's uh, things to know here as well, but uh, he did say as well, the traffic flowing out of the circuit is pretty terrible, go early. The Brits love American accents, or at least they told him so. British bias is really just British pride. It's all good. And if you get a chance, you really need to go to Silverstone as well. So if you check out Dr. Ob's Twitter as well, at Dr. Underscore Ob's, there are some other uh, just little highlights from his race as well. Pretty cool content there too, just to check it everything out. Um, and just overall, uh, uh, someone to live kind of bi-curiously through in some ways just for the fan experience. If you have any fan experiences as well you want to share, we really encourage them here on the platform. Uh, my platform is your platform. Love to have anyone on chat all things uh, F1 as well. But that's all I got for you here today. We do have some daily racing stories coming up outside of specific race reviews and breakdowns. Always looking to connect. If you have a story you want to share, please do not feel free. <laughs> please do not feel free. Please feel free. Uh, do not feel like you're disturbing us at all. Love to hear your story. That's all I got for you this week. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you back here next week for the Australian Grand Prix.